Hey SEOs and content marketers, say goodbye to crazy spreadsheet mashups and experience unprecedented connectivity between your SEO planning and reporting data. Introducing Audience Key, technology for keyword mapping, content brief automation, and rank tracking that form an SEO strategy system providing unparalleled feedback loops between planning, reporting, and optimization activities. Put your time and energy into strategy, not data upkeep. Visit audiencekey.com and apply for a free trial today. Hey everyone, welcome to Web College on WMR.FM. It's the uh, 20th of, June, of July, 2023. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media and Christine Schackinger from Sites Without Walls. And it's a news week this week. Uh, Christine is back in, back in the USA, back in Las Vegas. Um, had been in uh, Amsterdam speaking at a uh, uh, gaming and affiliates conference uh, last week. Last week we had the great Irish wonder, uh, uh, Julia Logan on the show. Um, this week, we just got a ton of stuff to cover, um, including, and this is this is an important one, the um, the impact of AI, which is like everywhere. Quick warning: there's going to be a lot of AI on the show today. <laughs> it is an AI show. <laughs> um, AI all day long. Um, but AI's had a lot, had an impact um, almost everywhere, and you know we've been worrying about how AI might be used to displace um, workers, um, people who are you know contributing, doing doing their thing, adding to society, paying taxes, living lives, raising families, going to college, and all that sort of good stuff. Um, and the writers' strike, which is. Uh, now also become a um, actor strike. Um, they've, they've teamed up and they're, they're they're on the line together. Shows us numerous ways that AI is already impacting and could severely impact um, an entertainment industry that has not only become a way of life but come to define a way of life. Um, Christine, the impact of AI on actors and writers in ways that like, like, you know, even months ago didn't see coming. Amazing, eh? Yeah, especially like, okay, so there's the writing issue with the AI, right? Like, let's uh, have it train on all the episodes of Seinfeld and now write a new version of a show that's just like Seinfeld, but change character names. And AI could do that, right? But I mean, how good is it would be, who knows, but that is a real threat. But some of the real threats that people probably don't even think about are, they once they have your image, that they could just take your image and use it over and over again and paste it on other people's faces in movies. So they could like get a B-list actor or someone who's, you know, usually background and have them do the whole movie and then put Tom Cruise's face on it because you don't own your image. So in the court in the current contracts, so they can yeah, take your your image and never pay you to use it again, and then use it on other you know map other to other people's faces, which is just bizarre. So in one case, you can have now a phenomenon that's already sort of happening: people copying off of uh, work that's been done before. I mean, Hollywood is rife with horrible copies of better stuff that's been done before. Difference being that were 
those were horrible human writers making those horrible yes. copies. And it took yeah. them a long enough time to do it that often they got stopped before they went to air or went much further. AI can make innumerable copies of innumerable scripts with innumerable references to things that may or may not have happened in any of those episodes. And it can do it <laughs> in seconds without yeah. the need of a lot of human intervention. So in this case, we're looking at literally tens of thousands of people in just Los Angeles alone. I'm not thinking of writers in other uh, entertainment hubs, Toronto, New York, um, uh, Vancouver, Atlanta, etc. Um, in Los Angeles alone, we're looking at tens of thousands of people who can be replaced by machine-generated content immediately. But as Christine said, the even scarier thing, um, or, or an even scarier thing, is the complete messing with reality of taking an actor's image, you know, shooting them for one day in, a, in every possible pose you can get them to shoot in, and then using that image, converting it uh, through AI onto another actor's uh, body. Or even, or even an AI-created body. Like, and, do, like, think of, like, Gollum in Lord of the Rings. Like, that was totally projected onto, you know, a three, onto a person, right? The whole face, But it was body, still Sadakis acting in that role. That's true. And also they get paid for that, but there is nothing in a contract right now that prevents them from taking, like you said, a day worth of images or a commercial or whatever they happen to shoot. And then using that um, into a, an AI version of the person or a lesser paid actor version of the person. Well, moreover, when you say, when you say the person, I think listeners might think, Oh, the character in the script in the movie. Well, that's cool. But you can also use the same generated, uh, avatar for another character in another movie and another character yes. in another movie and another character in another yes. movie you just go on forever and never never have to hire tom hanks think, again think think like tom cruise in mission impossible they shoot the first one right then they never have to pay tom cruise again because they just use his image in the rest of the movies and they create them with ai or they create them with low-paid actors and just slap his face on them so now, yeah it's a big, it is a, it is for, a really big danger for them and they are they're on the front lines and fighting this for everybody for what it's point. worth, Christine, I can hear. Actually, I can actually hear a lot of our uh, listeners' eyeballs rolling, going, "Yeah, well, Tom Cruise, screw him. He's a billionaire. Well, Who cares? I'm not, I'm not worried about. I'm not, I don't care if he's. I don't hope. He, I hope he never becomes one. No, I don't. I don't care about Tom Cruise. I care about the actors who are making nothing. Who are making less than nothing. Um, I'm, I care about the ones who um, are making a middle class income or less. And just trying to get by, Tom Cruise. Our listeners, our listeners, hear that? You missed my point. You missed my point. My point was Tom Cruise or whatever famous actor you want to take. I just picked him because his movie's out. Is it would never be billionaire Tom Cruise. He would be an actor who they used to face over and over again. But then, and my point is, if this can happen to anybody, not Tom Cruise, don't worry about. Don't worry about I mean, um, Jennifer Lawrence. Maybe she will. Maybe she won't be in a Hummingbird series again. But um, all the actors around her, they're people making a living. Thousands and thousands and thousands of right, people. Right, but my, my point is you never uh, become one of the famous actors. I get the point. Because they don't need them, yes. Indeed, indeed. Uh, and this is, um, as I said, not only is it a way of life, but it's a way that's depicted a way of life. The um, entire American lifestyle since the 1940s has been um, 
defined by its own entertainment culture. Um, and for good or for ill, um, but that is completely at risk. That's a whole way of looking at society, um, looking at ourselves, at our own stories. Um, and the thing that's weird about this, Chris, is, really, is over time, and it hasn't been a heck of a lot of time, like what, like four or five years for some of these large language models, they've degenerated. Um, they have. Research is showing repeatedly that um, AI is um, is it a, is it a massive use thing? Is it is it just that there's only uh, so well, many things you can you can learn from? Let's be specific too. It's the researchers are looking at OpenAI and GPT three and one five and four. So, uh, but it has degraded. Um, they tracked it on uh, four. Uh, performance measures, solving math problems, answering sensitive questions, code generation, and visual reasoning. And in all of these, they found that they had done a poorer job than they did the last time that they ran these tests. They have different theories on why it could be um, that uh, OpenAI is dialing up and back the quality of the model that's being used. But because it's all it's all black box, because no one has any transparency into what they're doing, when you use it, you don't know what version you're getting. So you could get a much subpar version of this thing. And then, of course, you have a lot more problems with hallucinations, you know, making stuff up and uh, it not being able to perform as well. So it's something to definitely be aware of. Uh, Sam Altman, when he first came out with uh, the release of ChatGPT, said, don't use it for anything important. And I think that advice has not changed. So uh, it, it is something to be concerned about if you're relying on it for, you know, products you've built into your workflow already. So. Absolutely. I mean, if, if you're relying on it for um, uh, stuff, especially um, stuff that might impact, I don't know, your perception of your company's bottom line or stuff that you're putting out to your clients, you absolutely need human hands on it. If you don't have human hands um, working with the output from AI, you're um, walking on razor blades on a nice field. Yeah, and and you know, while the researchers have noticed these downgrades, OpenAI has not admitted to them, so they don't even confirm whether it's happening. But the researchers using their test models have shown that it is happening. So, well, I mean, this is happening not just not just in test models. Um, we see grievous mistakes that are coming up um, in 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 real life situations. Um, we talked about the, the the impact on writers and on actors a few minutes ago. Um, there's been a couple of uh, cases that have been uh, that, 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 that were cited in the Washington Post last week around um, the FTC um, investigating OpenAI and uh, you know, Congress talking about uh, actually imposing some form of, of legislation. There was a story about um, a lawyer who, um, as it was suggested um, in an article written by uh, uh, ChatGPT, This lawyer, supposedly as a professor on a class trip, made 
you know, sexually suggestive comments and, you know, actually attempted to, to assault a student on a, on a class trip to Alaska. Thing is, this lawyer had never been a professor. Never, 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 never taught, never taught school. So couldn't have had a student on a class trip to Alaska who he proposed, who he prepositioned and tried to touch. Couldn't have happened because he was never a teacher in the first place. But once something is printed and it's out there and it's named you, like that guy, you know, he's um, he's going to have a hard career from now on. Well, he it was a lawyer that it named. A professor it was a law professor that it named Jonathan Turley. Yeah, but but, but, but uh, he says he wasn't a professor. No, he he he, he wasn't on a trip. He wasn't he wasn't teaching. But okay. he is a law he is a law professor. The original the original um, researcher asked it to generate a list of legal scholars who had sexually harassed somebody, and his name was on that list. And then it said uh, that it had attempted to touch a student on a class trip, um, but the article uh, no such article existed. Supposedly an article, never been a class trip to Alaska, and he had never been accused of harassing a student. So he was a professor. He just said, oh, there's no such trip, and there's no such article ever written. So this is this is not the only person that this has happened to. Um, there was somebody else who they claimed they defrauded and embezzled funds from a foundation. Oh, that's right. He was a right-wing radio host um, yeah. who had a Second Amendment foundation of some sort or another that um, he says he has he did not embezzle funds. The article written by ChatGPT suggested he did. Yeah, so you have to be so careful and use this stuff. You know that it's not telling you fibs. <laughs> well, this has led um, the, the the FTC to investigate OpenAI, and mm -hmm. um, it'll be interesting to see uh, how the FTC approaches this. They've been saying straight up consumer protection laws apply in the AI generate generative world. So your AI can spin out what it thinks the next words in this sentence ought to be. But it better be sure that the next words in this sentence fall well within consumer protection laws because they apply. Yeah, except the problem is it can't. Because it's just predicting the next word in a sentence. So if I say, I went to the bar and got a, what's the most likely word? Drink, right? I went to the bar to get a drink. I didn't usually go to the bar to like buy shrimp, right? That's not likely to be the next word in a sentence. Mm -hmm. So if the next most likely word makes this statement untrue, it doesn't know that. It's just like, well, here's the most, I trained on trillions of documents. And when I trained this pattern, appears and in this pattern and the last word in the sentence is drink so maybe that bar doesn't sell drinks maybe it's a ballet bar right but it wouldn't know that it doesn't have any knowledge of itself it doesn't have any knowledge of what it's posting other than it's posting what's the most likely pattern i.e what's the most likely word or phrase to come in that sentence or paragraph so it is just a feature of it <laughs> there's no now if you ground it We'll talk about that, I think, in a story later. But if you ground it, meaning you give it articles to summarize, it'll be like much less likely to make those mistakes because it only has a limited document corpus to look at and it's going to regurgitate what's there. But the actual big models have been trained on trillions of documents. So it's just what's most likely to come next. So that could be right or it could be wrong. There's no way for it to know that. So that's why you always have to have human intervention. Well, and, you know, 
this is not only really important for people who are using AI um, to 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 augment um, their own businesses, which you absolutely should do. Do it, use it, um, but pay attention to uh, to everything that comes off of your desk. But sometimes there's so much out there, and it's so detailed and so hard to do that. Uh, uh, it's hard to, you know, pay attention to everything that comes off your desk. Um, I once had a bunch of writers working for me and I tried to edit everything, but it's really hard to. Yeah. There's a class of people out there, quality control specialists. And, the, and if I were them, I'd be terrified right now. Because um, you know that the, the bean counters are trying to replace people like them with AI. Um, and they're the very people who should be training themselves to oversee the output of AI. Um, people who are who are quality control specialists will find a missing colon in code. They're they're incredible. Um, they're, they're, they're weird weird obsessive people, but they're incredible. <laughs> and this is an amazing opportunity for somebody who works QC to um, learn the um, I don't know learn how people are using AI in their field and. Um, find the common complaints, mistakes. Uh, you know what? QC people will know this far more than me. How, how, how their process works, apply it to the emerging field of AI. It's the uh, most incredible intersection of skills, needs in the business space, and um, early adoption. Sure. <laughs> It is a good way to apply a skill to the to the new tech, and it, someone needs to be doing the quality assurance because you can't let stuff leave your building if you have not checked it. As the lawyer who did that in the United States found out when he cited things in his brief that didn't exist, <laughs> he cited case law didn't exist. Now he's in trouble with the bar, may lose his license because he didn't have somebody check it before he submitted it. And oh. he'll be okay. This is this is this is a place where you can have like litigation on stuff that didn't even happen. Heck. <laughs> um, okay, so amidst all this stuff of warnings on AI, um, there's a bunch of new AI you can use. <laughs> Going full blow, full barrel towards empathy or towards entropy. Here's some more stuff that you could use. A big week for those announcements. Okay, um, Meta. Apple and um, Tropic. and Thropic and, and uh, Google Microsoft has some announcements too. Uh, yeah, Google, okay, but these guys are all introducing uh, new um, LLMs that are uh, going to be available for consumer use. Uh, Meta AI is uh, uh, launching its Llama two Llama two large language model. Um, could they could they stop? Blaming things so similarly. Like yeah, Google has a lambda, well, uh, it's a gamma, and it's LL, gonna... capital, small a, big M A. Like, come on, guys. <laughs> you, know, you know what I got today? I got Apple's AI is codenamed Ajax. Why? Like, that's not going to get confusing. There's, there's a whole programming language. Couldn't you pick something else? You I have mean, to seriously. Know. You have to know that programming language is this. Like... Call it toenail. Nobody's going to call their stuff toenail. <laughs> call it that. <laughs> Seriously, why are you calling it Ajax? Now we're going to have to specify anytime you talk to somebody. No, no, no. I mean Ajax Apple, not Ajax that. Because no one will have a category for it. It'll just be not the code Ajax, the Apple Ajax. 
Heaven help on, poor persons misunderstood when they say do it in Ajax, eh? Yes. At least Anthropic gave theirs the name Claude. Although I would love to know why it's named Claude, but Claude, Claude. Well, two. actually, this this one is named Claude two, probably because it's replacing Claude one. Yes, but I don't that's, know what, what that's Claude my guess. Came <laughs> <from>. <laughs> I think that's a pretty smart guess. Um, um, but the, but, but the, the meta eye is a big one because it also brings in ethical questions, of course, because it is open for anyone to use without restraints, really. Well, I mean, that is going to happen eventually. Um, and I think, like, oh, oh, how to say this? OpenAI is on one hand trying to, you know, create the carburetor for, uh, for, for its own AI. But on the other hand, <laughs> it's, it's, it's uh, Megalord Microsoft is like, we're putting AI into everything, kids, everything. You know, you know we could just say, though, um, we don't, like release nuclear bomb building information online. We don't need to make these models open for everyone to use because as you and I both know, and we will not name it because we don't want to promote it. There is a chat GPT model out there, not based from OpenAI, but the model um, that is creating malware and malicious code and is on the hackers dark web circuit. Yep, it's so, out there. And again, yeah. it was only a matter of time until something well, like that happened. Yes, exactly. I wish people, you know, I just have this really annoying tendency to see the logical conclusions, especially the bad ones of things when they happen. And you would think these people, when they make these things, would think it out just, I don't know, three steps ahead. They play some chess. Like, I'm going to release this model into the world and everyone's going to use it for good. Or, you know, evil people can use it to create malware and security issues. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> you know, the evil people using it to create malware and security issues, however they're getting their jollies or pay out of this, I don't know. Um, probably pay. Um, it used to be getting their jollies. Now they find a way to monetize LOLs. Um, for them, you know, the sun still rises in the east, sets in the west. They still get drinks at the bar. If, assuming they were going to the bar to get drinks, they might have been getting shrimp. Um, yes, or they might have been going to the Bella. <laughs> they, they may well have been. Um, <laughs> but you know, when when Meta says they red teamed, red team means testing your stuff um, with human testers to guy to try to get it to make mistakes or produce offensive content. That is not what scares me about these models. Yeah, you don't want to have the Nazi problem, which is a legitimate name for when these models go wrong. Um, but uh, you don't want you don't want to be able to like create bio weapons. Would be more more my thing. And when I used ChatGPT, I was able to tell it certain vulnerabilities by just saying I was a white hat ethical hacker, and I just needed to create a plan for testing. Can you tell me how this is vulnerable? Bloop, and it gave me it all. Oops. So yeah, so I don't think that just testing it for offensive content is really testing at this point. That's just my opinion. Well, again, you can test for you can test for and find uh, one thousand ways um, this thing can be abused. You can even come up with a thousand ways to stop the abuse, and somebody's going to come up with another way to do it. Yeah, especially because it's Kevin a language Slater. model. It's a language model. So all you have yeah. to do is find the right words to trigger. Like you can sit there all day and just. You know, write things until you figure out which words get around the, the, the whatevers. You so know, as so. as always, probably the um, I mean, it's the, the 
the way to deal with this is only two ways to deal with this. You know, harsher penalties and far better education for people who don't screw around. Yeah. Part of the FTC investigation is going to include testing people to see if they understand how the uh, ChatGPT models work. If they understand that they put out false information, if they understand what they're supposed to be used for. So it'll be interesting. I am <laughs> sorry. I, 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 just, I just saw like uh, Arjit Pai, the former head of the FTC under uh, Donald Trump, under a uh, under a uh, bright light with somebody screaming questions. Do you know how this works? Do you understand? No, but they're going to ask users. They want to test users. Yeah. So if you don't know how it works, you're not one of the hackers. You're probably OK. <laughs> but they're not going like- to take you seriously when you talk about AI. The FTC is going to say, like, do you understand how this works? And the regular user is going to go, sure, it gives me answers like a search engine. And then they're going to fail the test. Well, but, yeah, you know. but they won't be the hacker. So they're, they're, no, they get to go true. home. <laughs> Two-way street so, here. Uh, the thing from uh, from uh, Google, Google had an announcement about AI, which is kind of cool, kind of like Microsoft. We're putting AI in as many places as we can possibly put it. Um, although I almost like this this um, AI enhanced uh, notebook that that uh, Google Notebook LM, which will um, do a, if, if you're a student, you're going to going to um, class, have this turn the microphone on, put the put the thing on your desk, and it's going to record and make summary of your professor's lecture right there right there on the spot. Um, check it. But it's I mean this sounds this sounds amazing. What um, uh, uh, it, how it will enhance um, the earliest stages of writing and learning. This sounds like a smart way to use AI with smart smart uh, guardrails on the side. Well, remember when I said, when everyone said that Google was behind and they didn't really, they've created the technology. I still always thought Google's plan was to release intelligent integrations of the AI as a productivity tool, not as a dump it into the world to write a novel, right? And that's what they're doing. So um, in this case, you can give it a bunch of documents and it'll summarize for them. Um, You can ask questions about the documents you gave it. Um, This is called grounding, like I mentioned earlier. This is when you give it a document corpus. So it's much less likely to hallucinate. It still can hallucinate, but it's just less likely to do so. And then they're going to give you uh, source citations, which means when, by the way, when a large language model says that it's giving you source citation, it doesn't mean where it's sourced the information you're seeing. It's saying these are informational checks for you to look at to see if things are correct. So that's part of the grounding process, but uh, Bing Chat does it too in a process with Orchestrator and Prometheus. So they bring it up separately so you can check if it's factual or not, but it's not giving you a citation of where it got the information because it's not information retrieval, it's just text generation. So I just want to make that clear. But yeah, this looks like a good tool. I think this would be a nice one. I know when I do research for articles or when I have a talk, you know, when I did my first large language model talk, I read 80 research documents. It would have been nice to have a tool that could summarize a lot of that for me. So I knew I hit all the key points. Um, I don't think this detracts from you actually learning, which is some of the concerns with AI that it just does it for you. And then you're not actually learning or logicking anything out for yourself. Um, so I think, yeah, I think this is probably going to be a good tool. Do you remember being back in school in, say, the 80s or early 90s? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry you mean about that. In 2000, 2010? When I was working in my doctorate. 
Oh, okay. Well, I was back. Yeah. Well, I went to school I in, the, in, the, in, the, in the early 90s. So I, um, I did that too. I did the 90s too. But I did, and, I did try for my doctorate. So I and I remember uh, living inside of little book caves in the library. I'd have them piled up beside me, writing notes here, writing notes there, and, you know, getting. And it was awful. <laughs> Seriously. It was. Yeah. At least in graduate school, I had a computer. But in the, in the 90s, you're right. You went, you went oh. and you got all the books and you wanted to take them out. Cause you didn't want to sit in the library all night, but, but you had like 20 books, so you couldn't take them all out. With well, you. Not, not only you had 20 books, you also had 20 classmates sitting, sitting all around you also needing um, those very yeah. same books <laughs> and only three or four copies of them. Exactly. Um, exactly. But I think this is a, I think this is a good tool. I think it'll be very helpful for people. Just, again, just the, 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 the hours spent um, in that, in that endeavor, which I think was really valuable in so many ways, but, a huge waste of time and so many others. Huh. Um, I appreciate that it taught me how to use my brain. Indeed. But it was very tedious and laborious at the time. So what if you didn't have to write anymore? What if you could just chat into your computer and have it all written down for you? That's been, that's been around for um, a decade and a half. Um, what if you didn't actually have to search for that information anymore? Maybe you could just use an image and, you know, an image says a thousand words, right? Um, Microsoft is bringing uh, AI into many more of its regular products. Um, one of the best uh, image search engines out there is Bing, um, often, often far better than Google. Visual search um, in Bing chat. Um, Bing Chat Enterprise? I don't even want to know what that is. <laughs> it's just AI chat functionality for the workplace. So it protects, it protects your corporate data. So it doesn't, okay. basically, it doesn't go into their LLM. Unlike Samsung found out early on when everything did go into the LLM. Here's our proprietary code and information. Let's put it in the LLM. Yeah. So and the enterprise version won't do that. And Microsoft's 365 Copilot. Um, now, a lot of people, when you think of Microsoft 365, you think of Microsoft Word, right? Um, think of the entire productivity suite and how AI could help and sometimes mess you up in the, in the productivity suites. I mean, just alone, uh, where Excel converts your dates um, or even worse, when you have to enter a time in Excel and suddenly it... Um, I don't even know what it does. It just completely messes things up. Um, and it's really hard to, to back out of. Uh, we will see the um, effect of uh, auto improvements <laughs> on people's work, um, probably in uh, frustration on forums. Yeah, very true. Very true. The, um, and Google has a similar product. It's, it, I heard about it yesterday i haven't read about it yet but um they have one going into their google box which is going to help you with writing i don't know i i do i i can't say i have used chat gpt to help me when like i haven't i know my writing isn't clear on something and i put it in there and i say rewrite this please in a more clear form not changing any meaning or use cases and it just cleans it up I've done that. So I think that's positive. If you're using it to write your stuff, though, eh, depends on what you're writing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a writer. I've, spent, I've literally spent years, spent years getting my own voice, and that's over. 
but we'll see. Well, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how those go in the future. Know, it's the just way, terrifying. This is not in our story today, so I'm sorry. I'm just going to tell you about this. But I read a, a study yesterday from one of the SEO firms, and unfortunately, right now I can't remember which one. And they found that their AI written like titles and metas did not convert as well as human written ones. So if you need like mediocre general content, then that's fine. But if you like have your top dollar keyword on your, you know, you need to rank for something, you want people to click through to your website, probably do better to have a writer like you write it because oh, only you could make something like plastic bags interesting. And yeah. if you haven't heard this story before, I worked with Jim on a project where he had to write an article about plastic bags. And I was like, oh my gosh, I could not think of anything I could write that'd be interesting about plastic bags. And yet Jim, because he's such a good writer, made plastic bags actually very interesting. And I read the whole story like like with interest. I was like, this is pretty cool what Jim wrote. So, <laughs> You'd be surprised how they make those things. Exactly. So you have to remember when you use AI, it is not creating. It is only regurgitating what it was trained on. Cannot add any information to the conversation. All it can do is just write it differently. So it's not your, it's not the stuff I would put on the pages or the emails or the anything where I need to like make money off of it, like my top dollar money. I'd have a human do that. So. Okay. If you're a, if you're a user of Bing Chat, um, yeah, uh, you've only been able to use it in Edge because that's the only place the environment is run in. That's going to change soon. Um, Microsoft is rolling out uh, Bing Chat in any browser, uh, Chrome, uh, Chrome, Safari. Uh, Safari. <laughs> so doing Safari, that's huge. Indeed, Microsoft and Apple almost getting along. Um, mm -hmm. So Microsoft's testing. They figure it'll be out in a week or two. So the um, being forced to use Edge is almost over. Yes, um, thank goodness. You'll only have to <laughs> use it to install Chrome again. <laughs> yeah, and I already have like running all day long Firefox, Opera, Safari, and Chrome, so I, I really didn't need a fifth browser. <laughs> okay, you know what? I think we've worked our way through AI. Uh, are you sure? I'm pretty sure. No, I'm pretty really? sure that it, it's going to come up again. Hundred percent guarantee it. <laughs> but we are AI heavy week. Yeah, heavy week. Oh no! Yeah, no, we did. No, no, there is what there is more. There's the uh, tool to write news articles and all that sort of stuff, but oh, that'll just depress mention. me, so I don't want to go there. No, we should mention that. That is a big project with Google. Okay, um, go for it. So Google is developed a tool to help Rubble, newsrooms Rubble. write news articles. Yeah, I know. I feel the same way. But it is being pitched as a helpmate, not a replacement. And it's supposed to help produce news stories and they're pitching it to organizations like the New York Times, the Washington Post, Wall Street Journal, Owner News Corp. Uh, it's called Genesis and it can take information like current events, for example, Scary. generate news content. Yeah, I know. So they call it Genesis? Yeah, they did. Like in the beginning, Genesis? Yeah, they did. Not Phil Collins Genesis. We're talking biblical Genesis, right? And by, by the way, for people who don't know, if Google has a name for something, they probably said six months in meetings deciding on that name. It's not and it was still today. a stupid name. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, but, you know, then there are people in the news side are saying, you know, they don't, they get that it's supposed to be helpful, but it could also be used by corporations to just get rid of journalists. Because the problem we have now is most news companies don't own themselves anymore. They've been taken over by big 
conglomerate corporations who only care about the bottom line. And so they lay off writers and they don't give money to newsrooms and local news struggles because they don't have any funding. And so then they want to replace it with AI content, which I don't know. I don't need to read the same story 500 times by all the different news articles. I read certain art, certain publications because of their writers. Like I like how the Atlantic tells a story. I like how New York Times goes into detail. I like the Washington Post for their political angles. And so, you know, if you just have AI content writing everything, it just kind of dumbs it all down, in my opinion. But I spend a lot. I spend a lot of time working in local, provincial, and national politics in Canada. And um, on a local level, I honestly don't care what some blowhard on AM radio has to say about what's being taught in schools. I care about what the Toronto District School Board says about what's being taught in schools. But since I don't attend those meetings, because let's face it, they're boring, I have someone who does it for me. Actually, three or four people who do it for me. One works for the Toronto Star, the other works for the Globe and Mail, one works for the Toronto Sun, and one where and you know, there's in this community and these people exist and they go and they sit through these meetings and they tell me what's happening locally so that I don't have to listen to some blowhard on AM radio who completely misunderstands in the first place. I need that person. Yes. At the I Toronto agree. District School Board or I don't know where my tax dollars are going. Yeah, I, to- I totally agree. And you can't, every reporter, even though they, they do their best to say unbiased or objective, still has a point of view and so you know that point of view when you read that reporter you know this reporter tries to stay on bias and objective you know this reporter has a slant but that's okay you appreciate their writing so there's ways there's things you know when it comes to ai content it's just going to regurgitate whatever's there plus by the way it doesn't have any way to eliminate the misinformation problem so if they're generating a bunch of content and there's somebody there to check it all and make sure it's all accurate like you do have fact checkers with journalists um then you could publish misinformation. So I don't know. I, I, I think it's an okay tool. And I think it's a really good place where you could mention, going to mention our sponsor. <laughs> oh, Audience Key. Audience Key. Because Audience Key, I think, for our industry, but for any, like any industry, the way they implement it is really good because they take, they let you do your like keyword research and then they help use that research to generate suggestions in the AI content writer, but it doesn't, it could write it for you, but generally it's not trying to write it for you, but it's trying to give you suggestions on how you can write it well. So that it'll be, you know, easy to read and it'll be, you know, good for the search engines. And then they track that article after you put it up for those keywords. So you get like a really good uh, view on how your content and everything's working, but it's a really good tool for the writers. Because the, the keywords are already there, and they get suggestions, and they get you know a little bit of AI help. Um, but in this case, the Google News AI is you know looking at this possible that corporations could just fire the newsroom and use the AI, yeah. which Google could put in its regulations. I mean, it's, sorry, not regulations, but its terms of service that they can't do that. But you know they probably won't. So uh, so we'll see what happens. But uh, and, I do and, fear for news. We're, I mean, we're already seeing this in many places. I understand ESPN just like laid off a whole bunch of uh, their sports writers in replacement in in, in place yeah. of AI. And if you don't think it's important, remember, in the United States, our First Amendment was written to protect news because they believe that I mean, they didn't call it news, but I'm just calling the modern word news. But they they believe that that was so important to protecting democracy that you had to protect the people that reported on the government. 
So it is really important that we have real people doing that and not just a bunch of AI bots that went out and like, you know, found information. I don't even know where they're going to get the information from though. Because like somebody has to be the originator of the fact. <laughs> so this happened at 8.52 this morning. If all the bots are writing, I don't know where they get the actual first story. But Oh, they'll be, get, they'll be getting um, news under the AI model. They'll be getting news from press releases that come from the subjects themselves. So instead of, uh, an, independent, yeah. instead of an independent view of what the subject was doing, you'll have the subject's view of what the subject was doing. Uh, that's a really good point. That is that's how a terrifying point. It is a terrifying point. Yeah, you're right. So, as you can tell, Jim and I are for AI, but responsible use of AI. So. Okay. Um, you know what? I'm for Twitter, but responsible use of Twitter. Um, just <laughs> unfortunately, under new ownership, it's kind of gone to seed. Um, so, Twitter's revenue has apparently fallen into the negatives. And yeah. um, I, what, what was it? Was Elon doing a uh, GoFundMe or something? I forget exactly how he was. <laughs> What he did last week, but um, yeah, he's in trouble. Um, he read. Oh, he's now to try to boost um, viewership and try to boost engagement. He's paying his um, most uh, prolific tweeters, and these unfortunately tend to be the uh, most vile of them um yes, andrew tate yes. for instance uh got tens of thousands of dollars for his tweets um yes. the, 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 the um uh alleged rapist uh and a human sex trafficker um yes. now we say alleged and we really emphasize the word alleged but uh romania is pretty damn sure yeah they have um, charged him with it it's not like just an allegation at this point so. He got he got tens of thousands of dollars for his tweets. And quite um, a few of the very just like right wing racist, I mean a few Nazis. I understand, though. I have to verify that. I just saw it on Twitter. Uh, got payments from from Twitter. Well, more reasonable characters like Cat Turd got nothing. Even... Yeah, Cat Turd's not happy right now. I read him. He he put out a whole essay yesterday. Okay, you know what? I I, I actually just mentioned him <laughs> because I can't I can't I can't talk about cat turd in all seriousness. I, so I just can't do it. <laughs> I can't. But 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 apparently, remember that okay. guy at AOL? It, it was the Swiggy. Well, at least he had a real paid position. Cat turd's just a troll on the internet. <laughs> that's very true. Um, yeah, that's very true. I mean, he called himself cat turd. Yeah, yeah, he was real. He was he was hired to like help the CEO with ideas or something. I, I I don't remember. We had a friend who worked there at the time it happened. So I don't remember all the details, but yeah, that was a real, that was a real deal. And I got paid a lot of money to be there to do basically nothing. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but the Avenue, uh, the, I'm sorry, the revenue on Twitter is down over 50%. And then the other thing that um, he loves to do when he's down, especially when an interest payment is coming due, because if he misses an interest payment, the banks can call in their $14 billion worth of loans and then he'd have to pay them immediately. Uh, and he doesn't have it, um, is he tries to force you to buy Twitter Blue. So this week was interesting because I'm in a couple of these groups and I would go to the group and it would say, you cannot message this group because so-and-so doesn't follow you. You must buy Twitter Blue in order to message them. But they did follow me. It was a glitch. But they were trying to force you to buy Twitter Blue. The funny thing too is when the little message came up that said, you have to buy Twitter Blue, it's like cancel or exit, you can't do any of that. You had to go to the Twitter blue page before you could exit out of it. <laughs> so so he's trying to make people buy 
Twitter blue again. So I just got, I, it is kind of sad how many blue checks I see now. So they're so meaningless. I look for the ones that don't have blue checks. <laughs> I indeed, I can't understand. I can't even understand the Twitter environment. Um, I haven't participated there in, in quite a long time. Um, and, you know, I should be participating on threads. I really should. Um, it has tens of millions of daily users. It's um, fastest growing app like ever. Um, uh, uh, and um, it's now actually introducing um, features uh, so that um, it can become a utility rather than a um, thing. Um, for instance, uh, now it's going to allow you to see who's following you. The bad thing is it went from 21 minutes of average usage time to six minutes. Yeah. But I know why that is because I'm not really using it because one, it doesn't have a desktop app and I'm on desktop most of the day. So it's coming out with that supposedly pretty soon. And then it doesn't have a feed where people's tweets just, I mean, sorry, threads just show up. So I don't have that thread of content just to interact with. You don't have um, a, a news feed that's just constantly, constantly. Yeah. Uh, Exactly. It's just, and, and at this point, it's only people, I believe it's only got people that I follow, which is a very limited number of people. So there's no new content. Like if I go to the newsfeed, I'll see other people, then I just follow. There'll be other things in there, but there's none of that yet. So I think it'll get there, but they need to get there fast because you and I both know once people get disinterested, it's hard to get them to come back. So they'll probably give them about 30 days to get stuff in there to make it more Twitter-like. Um, and hopefully they can get it out in that time because I do think it has a lot of promise. Uh, but right now it just doesn't have enough to keep you there because it's just not enough new content to interact with. Now the, 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 the difference of course, between like, um, threads and some of the also rans for Twitter's, uh, Twitter's pedestal, um, say like Mastodon or blue sky is, um, threads is owned by a very 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 big fish that's probably not going anywhere soon right um i can't say the same about mastodon i think mastodon might be in um mastodon might actually be a victim of its own success given that it grew fast enough that its expenses went through the roof and there's no way to monetize that yeah and also mastodon i think it'll be like linux right it'll be here in 15 years but not many people will know that it's there or use it like Linux has been around forever and there are systems that use it, but I mean, as far as people using it as an operating system, yeah, I know like two people that use Linux, but they love it, but they still use it. Because mm -hmm. Mastodon is just complicated to use. It's just, it's very difficult. You, you go and like you're on a server and then you supposedly can use the federated server, but then it tells me to create a new account for the federated server. And I'm just like, I just wanted to see the post. So it's just, it's, it's just too complicated for the average user. And then uh, Blue Sky. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's uh, Dorsey who caused the problems on Twitter. He's still invested in Twitter. So, and he's funding people like um, some people that are like anti-vaxxers and things like that politically. So I don't know that that's going to go the way he hoped, but we'll see. Okay. Uh, googly stuff. We've, we've made it through. <laughs> um, Google, we're to Google stuff. Yay. I didn't know if we'd make it today with all the AI stuff. So if you've been sitting in limbo, um, waiting for an update to happen. You know, there hasn't been a uh, fairly significant update oh. since like April. I so need an update. I've never needed an update more. <laughs> there may well be one um, that uh, that comes before the end of summer. 
Um, John Mueller was asked um, on, on, on Twitter if there's going to be an update. Um, and he. Um, that was me. <laughs> oh, asked by you. And he's replied oh, yeah. to you. I'm sure we'll have one. I'm so, I saw I saw that my my tweet was in the article when I read it. <laughs> so, and then someone else asked him if it would be before the end of summer. Or so it is weird not to have an up like last last two or three years. Summer has been nothing but back to back updates. So they must have something big going on in the background that they're working on because that's usually the only thing that holds up like updates. Because we we haven't had a review update I think since like December and. Helpful content up. They don't know if they're gonna announce those anymore, but still. And then uh yeah, we haven't had a core update since April. So it's a, weird to go this long without anything, especially with the holiday season coming up. Usually they do it in summer, so you have time to fix it and you get one more chance at an update before Black Friday. Now, as 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 it is the twentieth of July, which means of course summer's almost gone. But it's not gone yet. There's still six weeks. Um, until until uh, five and a half six weeks until Labor Day, so um, there's still plenty of time for uh, Google to um, get an update of some type, variety, or size in there. This could just be an algorithm update. Um, the chairs get shuffled around a little bit, um, but not a major update. Or it could be a major update that um, actually moves um, substantially moves the SERPs. This this is where I have like my ethical issues with Google sometimes. First of all, why do updates have to knock traffic down eighty or ninety percent? Because most of the time, it's some mid-sized business that was just doing its best, and now it doesn't know how it's going to survive until Google updates again, right? But um, but yeah, you gotta if you can run big updates that kill like review updates and helpful content updates and and core updates that kill traffic fifty percent or more. Cash, you got to run them frequently so people can get their traffic back. Otherwise, you was, have small businesses and mid-sized businesses that just they can't survive. There was a time when um, Google was seemed like it was in a state, uh, almost like a static state for a little while. Remember when when the, the link building era, and yeah. um, uh, you could how to say it there was um a state of everflux where google was just constantly churning um ranking and documents and um, remember the google dance where they had the well, actual yeah, this, is, this is just yeah. after the google dance so with the with um this is actually what replaced google dance was everflux where it was just constantly that's right. churning yeah that's right. um google dance was predictable that was really cool you knew that when all the servers started jumping within yeah. a week you were going to see new results um, you could even see them um, coming ahead of time if you knew which service, yeah. which uh, Google service to look at. And if you haven't, just real quick, if you haven't been in the industry for a long time, there actually used to be sites you could go to that would show you the different servers Google had and where your site was on them. And so you could see, oh, on this server, it's improved. So I know by next week, they'll all be improved. So. Um, that doesn't happen so much anymore. Now you have... Um, either Google almost instantly um, rewarding or not paying attention to new content, but generally if you do the right things, rewarding new content. Um, or if you've had like a, um, some site-wide, not gonna say penalty, but site-wide judgment made against you, evaluation, there's a good word for it. Devaluation is what I call it. Um, you might have to wait weeks or months. months. 
helpful content update, they will suppress you, they've said, for at least two to three months before they'll even reevaluate you. Um, so, and... But I, 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 you know what, though? My problem with that is, is back in the days when updates first started, right, annihilating sites like, you know, Penguin, people did things wrong. Like maybe the client didn't know that their person bought links, but they bought links. But the complications now with the algorithms and the things that can cause evaluations on a website are so intricate that it's very possible that a business owner would have no idea these problems were on their site because it looks fine and it runs fine, they think. And then suddenly they wake up with 70 or 80% traffic loss. And I just think if that's going to be the case, Google just needs to update much more frequently. And they need to declare them because there's some rumor like sometimes they're not going to declare anymore. They know you need to declare. So the person knows if they fix what they needed to fix to get out of that update. Because if I didn't have a review problem. That would problem, be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah. If I have a, didn't have a review problem and the review update rolls out and I didn't get a boost, I know. Well, I didn't get a boost because I didn't have a review problem. If you don't name them, it's like, oh, we're just going to have flux all the time. Well, then the person never knows if they fix what they needed to fix. And again, I'm talking about the small to mid-sized business owner that is hanging on by a thread generally anyway. So having to be down for, you know, three, six, nine months, that's a long time, really long time. So there's, um, I mentioned these, these sort of like eras in SEO for a reason. So I think we're kind of in um, a, uh, a period of transition, but um, Google, like you said, Christine, people really need to be able to put their finger on um, things they can measure, things they can uh, understand. And Core Web Vitals for many SEOs has become the thing. Um, it's fairly accurate view of how Google sees um, groupings of pages in a website and uh, user experience on those pages. Um, and these are really important things. Like seriously, Google speed is of the essence at Google and user experience is very important. And for some SEOs, that's become the thing. Um, and it's really important. I mean, the specialists in that thing are extremely important. Um, and in fact, the technical SEO is building itself around those things. But if you got craptastic content, if you have um, recursive content like like AI generated stuff that just sort of you know falls back on itself over and over again, um, duplicate content. If you have um, like a, a big listing site that has multiple players um, pretending to be the same or pretending to be uh, a, a different diff different characters. Um, you know, people gaming the system, you might have problems with Google and the greatest user experience in the world isn't going to solve them. Um, By the way, we need to tell people because many probably aren't aware that John included in the page speed is very vague. So they think about core of vitals, page experience and the helpful content system. Yep. So you're going to want to read about the helpful content system um, and page experience because they are related and that is related to those ranking signals, separate um, from just the helpful content update. Yep. So, uh, that actually that's exactly that in his explanation, uh, John referenced the um, uh, uh, document on page experience in search, which covers um, what Google actually thinks of what is helpful content. It's not just stuff that reads well. Um, you know, half the time it's about it's about making sure that the user has a very clear path both 
um, physically, like um, technically, and intent-wise from entry page to conversion page. If you can do that with your content and you're providing the information that the um, site visitor needs to make um, their decision to make that conversion, whatever that conversion might be, also, your content's helpful. Yes, also, um, so people are aware that Google has the neural matching system, which is how they rank the content after they've rated and ranked the content. So they've scored your site. I'm just using that as a general, like it's very de detailed, complicated process. Um, and then you're gonna be, let, let's say number one, but then Google runs that through the neural matching for intent purposes to see if you're the best match. And if you're not, you may drop in that result from the original placement that they might've put you in. So you definitely need intent is a huge part of uh, ranking well, getting that traffic. Um, also on the core of vitals, you and I have talked about this before. Uh, I've not seen on PageSpeed, oh man, I could get, oh, I could get traffic because it was the tiebreaker, but at the query level. So if you had a big site that had like 30,000 keywords and you had a tiebreaker on all 30,000, you could get like significant traffic. Core vitals do not seem to work that way. But I have a site that is bumped in and out of good and bad pages and it loses loses traffic within like 48 hours of a mistake. Like they put on a bad app network that created very long load times. So that's not a, that's not the ranking changing. That's the whole site devaluing like quickly. So I don't, they say that there's no devaluation factor in the core vitals, but I don't know that I believe that. So no, that's not make, true. There's, there's, there is that, no, the, 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 the they say oh, it is. I've, I've, seen, I've seen it happen. I've, no, no, no. Me I agree too. with you. I've seen it happen. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I, I've talked about this on the show before. I made a terrible mistake. Um, this is back back in December and January, where I prioritized schema over page speed, figuring that we're in, we are where we are. Just pack the information in the SERPs. You know, yeah. Um, that was that was my goal. That seemed to make sense at the time. Um, but you know what? Uh, we 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 made we made a choice to put dev energy into one place instead of another place, and we um, took it on the chin. Yeah, we and I got punched in the chin for it. And I had a client who was perfect going into the the core vital rollout, perfect, hundred percent on everything, because we had been working on PageSpeed for two years, and then they added an ad network like six months later. And the ad net was horrible. It took like 14 ads per page and took it 30 seconds to load. Within 48 hours, they were down 30% in their traffic. And that's not because the ranking changed like that. That's because there's but some th sort of factor there. That is one of those really frustrating places where yeah. SEO advice gets um, often put to the side um, for, um, for one of a better word, fast revenues. Um, how to say this, um, quick rule of uh, webmastering. The SEO probably does not have a commercial interest in how many ads you have on page or where they're placed. They just want your website to work optimally. The ad network, on the other hand, has a big interest in where ads go and how many of them go and all that sort of stuff, but they don't actually really care about your long success. They don't care. Success. No, they don't care. Um, because they're going to be making money anyway. The SEO cares about your long-term business success. So, um, often people don't like our advice. That's cool. I get it. I don't I get like, it. I don't like eating medicine either. Um, <laughs> but you got it. Like, it's like, if I'm telling you, you can only have, you can't have 10 drinks a day anymore. 
I'm not doing it because I want to make your life no fun. It's because your body can't take it. And uh, unfortunately, recommendations we have to give on stuff like this. Although the interesting thing is, I've worked with very big publishers where I've reduced their ad load from like 14 to four. You know what happened when we reduced it from like 14 to four to six? I guess that happened. Not only did they get massive. Theoretically, if you get more traffic, you get more people clicking those ads and you get a greater number of people clicking a lower number of ads if you have a much higher level of traffic, theoretically. Yes, this is true. But also before they got the big boost, because this one got 200,000 visits a day. It was a huge site from PageFeed because it broke tiebreaker at the query level. Uh, I confirmed that with John too, by the way. So, um, but the thing was that um, as soon as we took so many ads off the page, people didn't hate the page. So as soon as they got only four to six ads, they clicked more because it was a pleasant experience and they didn't burn through their users who don't go back. Because there are sites I do not go to because I know as soon as I hit it, I've got a sticky ad a big ad on the top, a sticky ad on the right, a sticky ad on the left. There's a video. I'm like, where the freaking, I can't even find your content. So ad, more ads is never the answer to more money. If you're getting over like four to six ads, if you have one and you want to go like three. Yeah, you probably make more money. But if you're in like from four to like eight, you're going to lose money over the long term because users don't like your site and it gets slower and Google stops responding to it and you get surface less and users don't like your site. They don't want to. Search. They want to go through all your ads. They don't care about your ads. They don't. They know. You know, people put ad blockers on because they don't care about your ads, right? So, be very, be very careful when you put ads on the site and test the lower amount to see if that does better than your higher amount. We got time for maybe one more story. Um, okay. If you're looking in Search Console and you're using the um, link reporting feature at Search Console to you know, get a sense of, of your link, your link footprint, um, there are better tools. Way better tools. Um, and you might be in for a surprise today because um, Google pushed an update and that update had a bug and your links just got cut in half. Number of incoming links just got cut in half. Yet? Is it confirmed as a bug or is it intentional? Um, you know what? I don't know. I see. I saw the word it has a bug. Um, we'll find out later. But Google is reporting dramatically fewer incoming links um, in Search Console. I think it's got to be a bug. You know, like in one bug. day, boom. But Google also likes us to not think links matter, so it could also be. We'll see. Could be intentional. Uh, you know, links, sure. are, links aren't important. Come on. Well, in Search Console, you're only getting um, you're only getting a thousand example links anyway, so it's not like they're giving you a a full look at who's actually linking into you. Yeah, and if you only have a thousand links, you probably need to do some link acquisition. Not purchasing, just encouraging people to click to you or link to you. Indeed, um, and just for the record, links are important. Links yeah. are the sinew that that binds muscle together on the web. Um, yeah. They're the, they're the off ramps on the highway. Um, so you know, link to good content, please. <laughs> yes, definitely, and and don't make all the links that leave your site no follow because it kind of breaks the spirit of the web and Google isn't really a fan of that either. So no, no follow the ones that you should like sponsor content. And but, call you know. me for anchor text advice, five bucks a piece. <laughs> we'll make it fast and easy for you. Jim is awesome. He's better than chat GPT. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm for real. Yeah. Okay. Me. We have gone around the entire clock. It's uh, 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 an hour after we started recording this podcast on the 20th of July, 2023. Um, on behalf of Christine Schackinger from Sites Without Walls, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. Um, 
stay well, uh, be kind to each other, rank well, stay safe, and uh, we'll be back next. We'll talk to you next week. Bye, everybody. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.